sales. It's the one word that can make people shudder. They love to plan travel, but they don't want the stigma of someone who sells for a living. But that's what it is. We promote a product that someone else wants and we provide that product to them. It is the very definition of sales. However, the travel industry has shifted over the years and it's no longer merely transactional. The word sales could be replaced with educator or advisor and our roles have leaned a lot more on psychology than just the art of selling. That's what we're going to discuss today. We're dissecting how you can adjust your process, verbiage, and general approach to individualized clients so that you are tapping into their value system and creating credibility from the very beginning. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from T. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, We grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency, and now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine, so pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. We need to understand, first off, who a client is, and I know that sounds really elementary, but literally talking about demographic versus psychographic, because a demographic is a particular sector of a population, whether it be age, religion, income sector, whatever it may be. And a lot of the time we talk about our clientele demographic, but the one word that's not used enough, I would argue, would be psychographic, which is the psychological characteristic and traits such as values, desires, goals, interests, and lifestyle choices, which drive consumer behaviors. So that's talking about wellness travel. And almost in a way, honeymooners, they are not a demographic. They are celebrating the same thing, but their motivation for travel is celebratory. It's nostalgic. It's romantic. Those are all psychological aspects of a motivating factor to consume a product. So it's very limiting to think of clientele as a demographic sector. And you really want to drill down on both the psychographic and the demographic that you're looking to target. So that introduces what Robin is going to tackle now, which this is Robin's specialty. And I would say passion to discuss client behavior, like consumer behaviors is something that Robin really loves to dive into. So she's about to get jacked on this episode right now. (laughs) Which everyone, if you've been listening to the podcast knows, me and Jen were both psych majors. And I truly just picked it because it was like, my dad was like, you can't major in everything. Like, please just graduate. And I like psychology the best. But then after graduating, I eventually went into sales and I was like, oh, I hate sales. And I didn't hate sales. I really, really liked sales. I just wasn't doing sales appropriately because I wasn't actually working on knowing who I was targeting. I wasn't getting in and like narrowing my focus and my messaging because the psychographics and the demographics, those two pieces of the puzzle dramatically affect your messaging, which is the bottom line of sales. It's absolutely crucial that you have really strong messaging because your message has to be able to convert, right? Like a client has to understand what you're saying, know your product and know what your solution is and why you're the best person to provide that solution. So my two biggest pieces of advice when it comes to getting good at sales or at least comfortable with sales, maybe you're like, you're like, I'm never going to be good at sales, comfortable with sales 
is number one, know your product. And in this case, it's your service of providing travel or providing a travel booking service. Number two, perfect your messaging. And messaging is truly everything. So if you feel that yours is a little all over the place, it might be time to narrow your niche. And whenever I say the word niche, people freak out because they're like, well, I don't, I, I book everything. Niche does not have to always be destinations. This could be the type of clientele that you serve. So being super clear on your demographics can provide insight on generational differences because let's be honest, those generational differences can impact psychographics in major, major ways. For example, a message about like fighting burnout or taking back your PTO or whatever that kind of messaging looks like is probably not going to resonate with an older demographic like a boomer the way that it might with a younger millennial or a Gen Z traveler who's like, yeah, I am going to fight a burnout, like fight the power. Whereas a boomer is like, no, like I'm going to work forever because this is like how I was like designed as a human basically. So it, it matters to know not only what you specialize in, but who you serve and that type of person, if that makes sense. Um, and if you need help narrowing down on your niche or your who your clientele is, I highly, highly recommend downloading our free Defining Your Dream Client Guide. We are going to link it in the show notes for you. But you can also find it right now. It's available on our homepage, the homepage of our website, teakhq.com. It's a pretty beefy worksheet, but I'm super proud of it because and I poured a lot into it. It really takes you down a deep dive of the demographics, the psychographics, and then working the messaging to figure out like what's going to actually resonate with each of those ideal clients. Because you can have more than one ideal client. In full transparency, you probably should. Um, we like to say two to three ideal client avatars is pretty common. So once you combine those two components you're able to better create that marketing messaging that taps into their value system. Like what's going to matter for a bride? What am I going to need to say to her on a phone call or on social media to get her to know that I understand her problem, that I have a solution for her problem, and that I'm the trusted expert to deliver that solution to her? And it doesn't only apply to marketing. Again, this is this is effective messaging that will allow you to better communicate in ways that actually convert to sales when interacting with a client. So messaging is huge. If you are like, my sales, they're not closing, or I get on calls all the time with clients, but they just don't seem to go anywhere or really they're just not moving or they're just stagnant and they're just not getting over the hump or they're not placing that booking deposit or whatever it is. That's where your messaging is flawed. Like if people spent more time working on their like messaging and what they do and how they do it well, and how they do it better than somebody else, I guarantee you you will see a dramatic increase in your close rate. The messaging that goes between... What is it? It's like the silent generation, the baby boomer generation, the Gen X, the millennials, the Gen Zs. Like, There's different messaging that needs to happen. Because if I'm talking to a Gen Zer that's going to be a different conversation. And there's probably going to be different things that they're considering when booking a trip than you would if you're talking to a baby boomer or somebody in an older generation. Yeah. They don't care about the pictures and the Instagram and things like that. Whereas a Gen Zer is going to be super aesthetically driven. So how you like present your proposal and things like that has to completely shift. And I would say that 55 and above would typically in that encompasses a couple different generations would typically want a paper 
they, they'll want paper documents because they grew up with their primary mode of information being on paper. Whereas like me, I would never want to touch paper. And, but I didn't grow up. I mean, I'm kind of in the middle. Like I do print out my boarding pass and I use the app. So I don't know. We did a whole in psychology. There was like a whole semester about the generations and like how they are all so different and where that like psychologically comes from and their experiences that, because everyone has, there's like experiences that shape a generation. Like ours was probably like around 9-11 is a big one for millennials. Gen Zers have obviously COVID that like rocked their generation because there's these momental monumental shifts that happen at a young, early age that change your, it's like the moment when you realize the world is different than what you thought. So that's what shapes a whole generation. And that's where we get these like sort of characteristics as you call them. They're based on these like experiences. And it's also based on like the people raising you. So typically a baby boomer is raising a millennial or something like that. And like, so that you like kind of go against your parents a little bit or you lean into it heavily. So that's, that's also super interesting. Calling all of my fellow DIYers. Are you ready to revolutionize your online presence and captivate your clients like never before? Look no further than showit.com, the ultimate website platform designed to help you stand out from the crowd. With Showit, you can showcase your expertise, create stunning visuals, and craft a website that truly reflects the unique experiences you offer. Say goodbye to generic templates and hello to a website that captures the essence of your travel services. Seamlessly integrate high-resolution images, engaging videos, and compelling itineraries to transport your clients to their dream destinations, even before they step foot on a plane. With Showit, you can customize every aspect of your website with their user-friendly drag-and-drop interface. No coding required. Showit empowers you to effortlessly update contact, add new destinations, and highlight special promotions with just a few clicks. Worried about mobile optimization? Fear not. Showit ensures your website looks stunning on any device, providing a seamless browsing experience for your clients, whether they're on their desktop, tablet, or smartphone. Stand out from the competition and leave a lasting impression with a website that truly reflects the luxury and personalized service you offer as a travel advisor. So what are you waiting for? Take your travel business to new heights with showit.com. Click the link in our show notes to get your first month free. I would love to do a series on how to sell to XYZ generation. Like that's not, I don't mean literally like Gen X. I mean, like insert generation here. Our entire episode is going to be on how you sell to individuals born in this time period. And we dive into like every stage of the client experience process and how you can tailor it to that generation. I think that would be fascinating and so helpful, especially if we even got guests in. Because think about how different... Like I used to always think that Gen Z and millennials were pretty close and they're not. Like I mean, Gen Zers, they're really tolerant. They love different cultures. They're like very... Everyone's expressing themselves in different sexual orientations right now. Like they're typically a lot more open because they've been around that their whole life. This isn't a big shift for them. They haven't seen a big shift. It's always been this way. But they're also like they don't drink the same amount. There's a lot more sober culture going on in Gen Zers. Uh, there's like a little less church. There's a little bit. They just because they don't, they're not necessarily like a government or church like establishment. So they're a little bit yeah. like anti-establishment to an extent. It's super interesting. There's a lot less like teen pregnancies with Gen Zers, which is fascinating. And there's a, there's so much to like know about each of these 
people because think about it, like all of that <laughs> plays into the types of trips, the the type of conversations, the type of yep. sales conversations that need to be happening in the marketing messaging. So it's interesting. We're talking about sales and it's like, it's so psychologically driven, but it all comes down to what we said before. You have got to nail down the psycho and demographics of your ideal client because like Jen mentioned, aesthetics matter to a Gen Z or so if that's your target audience, your brand's better gotta be tight across the board. It has to be tight and it has to be consistent. It can't be like random fonts. It needs to be probably more neutral aesthetic colors or mm-hmm. really, really bright colors. Like they need it can't be like the the hodgepodge mix of like colors. It's they're just they're different. And that's solely they truly make all of their buying decisions based off branding. Like based off of a way a brand looks, the packaging, that's why they're buying certain yeah. skincare products. That's why they're buying certain makeups is because the packaging and how that affects their buying decision is way stronger than it's ever been before. So branding matters heavily. Whereas for baby boomers, maybe it doesn't as much because they're not online. They want the referrals. They want somebody to be like, my sister, my best friend, my neighbor used her for travel and she was so Mm -hmm. good. And that's how they'll make their decisions because somebody else is telling them. So that goes into a whole referral programs for baby boomers would be massive. Like that would be a great revenue generator. Whereas paid ads are probably going to get Gen Zers yeah. attention. So it's very interesting. And deals are going to get millennials. <laughs> like For real. It's so interesting because I'm thinking, I'm like, what is, I think of my like colleagues, my peers, my age bracket, a lot of them are very willing to invest if they know they're going to get out of it, what they're putting into it, but they're very hesitant Unless they see reviews online and it justifies it. Like just as a generation, I would say more financially focused on finding value rather than going with aesthetics. I just think it's so interesting because sales, we're not talking about the conversation you're having on the phone only. Okay. So we're talking about like sales as the entire client experience you are selling to someone before you ever talk with them. You are selling the second that your paid ad shows up on their Instagram account or the second that you create a reel. You are selling as soon as you put a blog out into any website. Anything that you do is part of your sales process, whether you acknowledge that or not. And that also includes your inquiry form. I would say that a lot of... The older clientele that I would work with, retirees, they don't want the long inquiry form. They don't want you to get to know them electronically. And there's almost like a level of distrust of putting their personal information out into the universe again, because it's not what they grew up with. They grew up with relationships. So if you're catering to someone in a generation that focuses on relationships, you could be completely turning them off by having the only option of your inquiry being an electronic form on your website. And I am all for an electronic form on my website, but that's because my clientele was so comfy with it. And I knew that. And I was okay excluding certain demographics and psychographics from my clientele because I am big on boundaries, not because I'm a Gen Zer, just because I am who, who I am. I'm big on boundaries. I want balance. I 
to the extent that like I am not in a corporate world, yet I still follow an eight to five regimen to the T. And it's almost ingrained in me that I can't cut out early because that means that I'm not working hard enough. Like there's that millennial meld stuck between Gen Z and Gen X right above us. Yeah, Gen X. Yeah. Gen Z, Gen X, millennial. I think we're technically Gen Y is millennial. Oh, okay. So we might be mixing a couple, but I know I'm a millennial. I know that. But it is incredibly interesting how just your process could be ostracizing the demographic that you're actually trying to tap into because you might be listening to us and implementing boundaries. (laughs) So there is a flexibility that you need to apply when you start to evaluate who your client is. Who is your client? Okay, now take everything that we've said or that you're doing and adapt it accordingly. That doesn't mean throw it out the window. That We're not saying if you're working with someone that doesn't appreciate boundaries, just scrap your boundaries by any means. Like We're not saying that. But there may be some adaptations that you need to make to meet people where they are. So for example, an ideal clientele might prefer mine was email, but someone else's might be phone because they're not comfortable typing. They didn't grow up typing. They might be a slow typer. They're not going to be able to get all their words out and their thoughts out by typing. That would be my dad. My dad is never going to type you a well-thought-out email. He can't even remember to put a subject line in. Like, I love the man, but his emails, I'm like, I don't, we're going to have to hop on the phone. I don't know. I don't even know what you meant to say to me. My dad recently hand wrote a review, a letter to the boat maker and mailed it. (laughs) You could have gone on Yelp or their website. And he was like, well, I just... I had some ideas as well. I wanted to send them a couple drafts of some boats that I designed that I think could help their thing. So he just wrote it in a a letter and sent it off. I was like, okay. Spoken like a true engineer. He's like, there's just some sort of design flaws here that I'm going to just give you for free and then bye. I was like, you're a very interesting human. I would never do that. My mom writes managers of restaurants letters all the time. Like my mom just believes that the manager cares. And I'm like, I just want to challenge that thought because the manager is probably 22 years old at that beach shack and they are making practically no money and they're frustrated they can't buy a house because the economy and like all these things. I'm like, mom, they don't care that your Pepsi came out with two ice cubes. Like it just, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. They don't care. And she's like, well, they need to know. And I'm like, all right, well, I... I'm going to let you put it into the universe and it is what it is. Another thing to think about is I was asked a lot in my hometown to do in-person meetings. And this is also maybe a psychographics thing because I'm from a smaller town. That impacts how you do things. So I am virtual. I'm never going to meet you at a coffee shop. It's going to take longer than my virtual meeting. And I, again, with my boundaries, I'm like, I schedule out my day. I want to know that I have this hour block, this hour block. If I meet you at a coffee shop, I am too much of a chatter. I am going to go over on time because I know this about myself and I have to protect myself from myself. (laughs) So I'm going to do a virtual call that has a defined start and stop time, but that may not work for people. I have had people decline working with me because I wouldn't meet them in person and that's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's not your client. That's not your ideal client. Like, And that is somebody else's ideal client. For sure. I feel like a lot of brick and mortars, they do a a ton of, and this may be a a generalization, but the brick and mortars that I know, particularly from my hometown, their main book of business is cruising. 
And that wasn't my book of business. And a lot of literature is available for cruising. So people want to come in, they want to look at, you know, the itineraries, cruising groups, packaging, like prepackaged itineraries, not Mm -hmm. as much as the FIT. So they want to go in and they want to be able to pick something out almost from a catalog style. And that just wasn't how I operated. So I didn't feel the need to do the in-person. The other thing that I personally got a lot of pushback on was Calendly versus one-off calls. I'm never going to pick up a one-off call. And that turns off so many people. And I guarantee people are like nodding their head right now. But I just don't believe in the world we live in today that I need to be available. And I also think it's disrespectful for someone to think that my one-person business would have the bandwidth to pick up a call at any time and service that sale in the moment. That's just not realistic with the amount of things coming at us constantly every day and the volume that people don't see that we're working with. So I understand, but we don't have receptionists. We're not a hair salon. We don't have someone sitting at the front desk of a law office picking up the phone. We are typically, unless you have a brick and mortar and you do have a receptionist, traditionally an IC is going to be exactly that, an IC, and they don't have a vetting or triage system in place. So a Calendly becomes that. And that can be a lot of frustration. Did you ever get pushback on that? Your clientele, I feel like, was gave you more yeah. pushback on actually jumping on the phone. They didn't like phone calls. They would prefer to handle things over email. Because when I would send out in the process, hey, you just filled out the inquiry form. Here's a call. Like, Let's schedule a time to talk. They were like, can we hash this out through email? And I was like, yeah, you're my love language. Like, This is perfect. And it worked. If I need to hop on a call after I got those like big, hairy, scary like details out of them, great. We could. But yeah, a lot of them were like, listen, I'm busy. I'm I'm working while I'm trying to plan this. So I don't have time to hop on a call during my work time. And I'm also not taking time out of my personal life when I'm home from work to do this. So I was just who I worked with. And it worked really well because that's who I was as a person. So I appreciated it. And it wasn't... Again, it was you kind of you have to tailor it to each client. That was like an option. I ended up adjusting the verbiage in that email where it's like, if you would like to hop on a call, we can do so. If email is more your jam, we can also hash out via email. It's what you're most comfortable with. It's what's going to work with your schedule best. And I kind of left it up to the clients to like guide me and navigate me with what needed to happen. And if they did want to go to the email route, I would have to send some questions to get them thinking through everything. But it was it was pretty easy. And I was doing honeymooners. So they weren't doing like multi-leg FITs. That's where I would have probably hop on a phone call. A lot of these were like one, two destinations most, getting getting out, getting home type of thing. So just know that I did do that with everybody. Like when I booked like a Patagonia in Argentina, like those were phone call conversations. Yeah. When it was a Caribbean honeymoon, those people emailed me, we hashed out via email and it was great. And it worked for myself, but also more importantly, worked for the client. And that's ultimately the point. It has to work for your client. It can't just work for you. This is a very mutual relationship, but you are working with primarily millennials and Gen Z. And so I think it's also interesting. I'm going to digress real quickly. You said something about single stop sun and sand itineraries, which I would almost argue is very characteristic also of millennials. And now Gen Z is very honeymoon focused on multi-leg. Yes. They want Europe. They want culture. They want to get out and see the world and do something big and exciting and splashy. And experiential. And my sister's a Gen Zer. She's planning her honeymoon right now. She's like, how did you decide where to go? I don't want to do the typical 
Mexico, right? Like she's a Gen Z or she wants something a little bit more unique. And I'm like, here's the thing about honeymoons. Like I'm exhausted after my wedding. That's how I personally felt. All I wanted to do was eat food on a beach, buy a pool, go to a spa and not worry about anything. So that worked for me. And she's like, oh, I never thought about it like that. All my friends are doing, you know, a more exotic Caribbean island or they're doing, you know, Hawaii or the Maldives or, and I'm like, that's great. Here's some things to consider about flight times because he just, her soon to be husband just recently got a promotion. So he's required a lot more hours. He doesn't get the same time off because he's now running the office. So it was like all these things that she just never really considered. And she's like, oh, okay. So now she's doing a Caribbean destination, just a quick little honeymoon. And then around their one year, they're going to take time and do like the full Europe or one of those like bigger trips. Because I was like, there's so much pressure on the honeymoon. Take it off. Like you have your whole lives to travel. Let's stop making the honeymoon the do or die of our lives together. You know what I think? I was thinking through a ton of this while you're thinking like my brain is just going wild. And I'm like, you know what? Millennials, I would say the on the older spectrum of millennials from like maybe 1986, like 1980 to 1986. So that like top tier of millennials, I wish there were like subsets because I do think there's like two different types of millennials. Also that generation or that sector was getting married younger. I first got married when I was 24, got engaged at 23. And that was normal, especially in a small town, which impacts psychographics, right? And now people are getting married older. So when you're getting married younger, you don't think, oh, I'm going to jump right into having kids. So I'm going to just do the relaxation trip and I'll do a big bucket list trip later. And now it's almost like the the script is flipped where it's like, I want to have kids immediately because people are getting married at an older age and then they want to jump into having a family right away. And so those are things to consider too, but this is where it becomes a true advisory role. And we'll touch on this like later in the episode, but we ask people all the time, like, do you want a trip or do you want a vacation? Because what you just talked to Sam about was like, okay, that sounds great. You're comparing all of your expectations to social media, which is a battle that we have in itself right now of all generations, primarily millennials and Gen Z. But now you're comparing your expectations to what you're seeing on Instagram and TikTok and all of these things. And now you feel like your experience is going to be quote unquote less than if you do something quote unquote basic. And it's like, there's a reason why basic is great. It's because Starbucks consider it basic, still love it. Okay. Still going to go get my Starbucks. It became basic for a reason. I would argue also sandals. I've never personally done a sandals. They're doing something so correctly that they are continuing to hold the market on honeymoons. And now I actually think their main market is probably anniversary trips because people loved their honeymoon when they're in that like 1980 to 1986 bracket. They love their honeymoon so much. They're like, I am now brand loyal and I will go back time and time again because I cannot be distracted by the shiny thing because I do not care about branding as much. I care about if I'm going to be spending this much money, I know I want that product or I want a better deal. So it's, it is really interesting, the motivating factors. And we could talk about this. Like I said, we could probably do an episode on every generation. That'd be really interesting because there is like, you're an older millennial and I'm on the tail end of millennial, like yeah. before the Gen Zer comes in and I waited to get married till 30 
so it's just different. But also, I I didn't really come from a smaller eh, Jupiter kind of small, I guess. I don't know. It's also interesting. It matters. It it all matters. So all that to say is that you need to go through your client experience piece by piece because every touch point is selling. Every touch point is reflective of your brand. And anytime someone touches your brand, that is a part of the sales process. It's not just about your pitch. It's not just about your how we work guide. It is the full, we're talking about the full comprehensive process of how you interact with your clients because one of those things can ostracize someone. And one of those things can make someone be like, I'm all in. Robin, you can work with me by email. I am now, you are my person because you hear me, you see me, you understand my buying intentions. You sent me a proposal that hit the nail on the head and boom, I send you my credit card transaction and we're done. And they want to submit that credit card transaction in a secured portal. Whereas a baby boomer or a silent generation is going to want to give that to me over the phone. I would say probably silent generation more so. There's like that, I don't want to put my information online. I don't want it to be out there, but we have to get our terms and conditions signed somehow. There's so many factors that there has to be some compromise at some point because technology has to be interacted with unless you do. Again, you have that like brick and mortar where someone can come in and sign and swipe their card in person. But there's got to be some compromise. It just requires more explanation and more handholding. And you have to go into it not being frustrated. If that's your clientele, do not get frustrated. They're going to be your greatest spenders probably because they have retirement money because that generation saved thinking like, I can't wait to spend this on a multi-generational trip for my entire family. Like That is the silent generation, baby boomer generation they want those multi-gen trips. Whereas millennials, Gen Z, we're like, we don't know if we're going to live till tomorrow. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to take the big trip now. And there's just such a different philosophy. So we could go forever. I'm not going to continue to go down that rabbit hole, but I do think it's so fascinating. And I think you have to be fascinated by it if you want to be successful in sales. 100%. You need to stay curious about your clients. Because like Jen mentioned multiple times in this episode, a fact that will either terrify you or free you is that 90% of the sale happens when you are not even in the process yet. So that means before they hop on a sales call, that means when they're navigating your website, when they're reading the sales emails, when they're reading your blogs, like all of that, that's what gets people to the sale. So once you come on to the sales call, 90% of what they know, they've already gathered. Like they're already making the conscious decision to be like, okay, I need to hear more from you to see if you're that final fit for me. You're listening to this podcast. You are no stranger to the fact that I love organization. The reality is that organization isn't everyone's strong suit, but it's necessary to have a healthy business. Systems and automation is truly the only way to run a company as a solopreneur. That is why we use ClickUp, the all-in-one platform designed to revolutionize your workflow and take your small business to new heights. With ClickUp, you can say goodbye to scattered information, endless email chains, and missed deadlines. Streamline your tasks, projects, and client communication all in one place. ClickUp's intuitive interface and customizable features allow you to tailor the platform to fit your unique business needs. From project management to client collaboration, you'll have all the tools you need at your fingertips. 
With our growing team, this platform has been a game changer for the way that we run our internal operations. With ClickUp, Jen and I can assign tasks to the team members, track their progress, and keep everybody on the same page. With real-time updates and notifications, you'll never miss a beat. Stay ahead of deadlines with automated reminders and easily delegate responsibilities, freeing up your time to focus on what you do best, creating unforgettable travel experiences for your clients. Ready to revolutionize your travel business? Visit ClickUp.com using the affiliate link in our show notes and discover the power of streamlined productivity. Sign up for a free trial and see firsthand how ClickUp can transform your workload and take your business to new heights. I don't know. Sales mindsets get so freaky. I used to hate sales, like I said, because what I was doing, what I realized now what I was doing was I was just pushing product. Because that's what I have to do, right? I was selling digital media and so it was just small business owners in Jacksonville. And I was just like, no, you need to do this. You need to do this. And it was like, I wasn't thinking about them as like a small business owner and actually flipping the script a little bit. So sales became a lot easier when I looked at my role as a consultative seller versus a salesperson. Because salesperson is slimy, right? Like consultative sales approach is taking their needs into effect. It's almost like, hey, I have a solution. I know you have a problem. This is my option for you. If that's a fit, great. Because a no doesn't need to mean a no forever. It's truly just feeling, are we mutually a fit? Because it needs to be mutually a fit. Like we need to find clients who work for us, but we need to find, you know, the clients that we can work well for. So a lot of that consultative selling comes from listening. Listening is honestly way more important than selling. This is again why you need to know your product. Because so many times in the back of my head, I'm like, don't forget that one statistic about how many people open up this, you know, flip book coupon book and why they need to be in it. And instead, I was like, I should have been listening to this guy in a strip mall telling me he's, you know, behind this tree. So no one's been seeing his sign this whole time. And like, there's a different solution for him. So Listening is way more important than the actual process of selling and spitting out random facts and why you're the best at people because... And this is so funny, but (laughs) back to college. As a psych major, I took a class in college. It was actually called Listening 101. And at first, it was just like one of those things where I was like, okay, cool. This will be a fairly easy class. Like I always... Oh, I heard it was a super interesting. And it turned out to be like actually life-changing for me. And it helped me the most in my future sales career. And I still come back to it all the time where I'm like, oh, that one time in listening class. like, And it's funny. But there was a survey done where 96% of people say that they're a good listener, right? Like if you ask, you know, me, you, whoever, are you a good listener? Oh yeah, sure. I'm a great listener. So they would run them through a study. Somebody would tell them a whole bunch of things and they would have to like retain the information and then say it back. But like what happens is when we're quote unquote listening, we're waiting to see where we can respond. So this is like the typical as a conversation. And I do it too. When Jen's talking on this podcast, instead of listening to what Jen's saying, sometimes I'm like, she said this one sentence and now I have a response. So instead of listening to what's coming next out of her mouth, I'm just thinking about this one response because I want to say what my whatever that answer is, or I want to follow up and, and provide more information. And we do this too in like social settings. It's like all we want as people is to feel reciprocated. So like we want to bond with you and the way we bond, especially if we're if we're women, is by finding mutual ground. So we want to make sure that like, oh, you shop at TJ Maxx, me too, me too, me too. Or, you know, oh, I love your I love your shoes. Oh, you do? Oh, they're only $5 at Target. You can go get them too. And that's still a bonding. It's just really interesting. So 
these people who claim they're really good listeners, when they're asked to actually like retain and re- regurgitate, which I hate that word, but that's what they had to do, like under 50% of like what was actually said out because they found that one piece in their mind and they held on to it and they never got rid of it. But when you listen in a sales call and you like actually genuinely ask these questions that are digging into this person and like getting you the answers you need to decide if you are, a, if you have the solution to their problem. That's when sales becomes kind of, dare I say, fun because it feels like almost like a, like a little mystery or a puzzle that you get the answers to. But it also positions you with the upper hand in the conversation. So many of us walk into sales conversations feeling like the client has the upper hand when in fact, there's no, there's no upper hand. You always have the upper hand because you're the advisor. You're the professional by listening and giving these people a solution to their problem, instead of just shoving your product or your service like down their throat, you uncover that problem, you present a creative solution on how to solve it, and you talk about like your expertise in the field of travel, you all of a sudden take your power back in the sales conversation. And it just feels better. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. Of course, like I'm like catching myself listening to respond. So I'm like, stop, 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 stop. And then of course, like I lose everything that I wanted to respond with, but I am a bad listener. My name is Jennifer Jacob. I'm a bad listener. Our favorite topic is ourselves. And that is human nature. We were in a sorority and again, like taking it back to college. And I remember being told this when being taught how to recruit people and they were like, everyone's favorite subject is themselves. So when in doubt, ask a question, an open-ended question about themselves. And immediately that person trusts you more because they're talking about themselves and you're letting them talk about themselves, which is a really weird thing because you've actually said nothing about yourself, but they trust you because you're listening to them. Right. So by listening, you are creating credibility, but unfortunately we're thinking about it backwards where we're listening to respond, which doesn't create credibility if we're off in what we respond back with. Active listening is my favorite technique, obviously. So like actually, like you said, regurgitating back to them. And I just feel like as soon as someone feels heard, they let their guard down and they don't feel like they're being sold to. So that could be redundant from what you just said, but I was like blacking out. Because I was like, listen, listen, listen. (laughs) No, you have to think about it. We're being sold to all the time with ads. There's ads everywhere. Like Pinterest has ads, social media. Like people are calling me and spamming me, trying to sell me stuff all the time on my cell phone. Like we've never been so inundated with sales in our lives. So when we talk to somebody, it's almost like we instantly have our guard up because it's like, oh my gosh, another one. But again, it's like creating that relationship, creating that bond. It just, it makes all the difference. And it gives, again, that the social dynamics come back into play because you deserve to take up space just like anybody else. Like so many of us walk on and we're like, I hope you like what I have to say. No, like you're presenting, it's not salesy to offer someone a solution. You're offering a luxury service to help solve someone's problem. That's not salesy. That's that's awesome. And like people are looking for your solution. It just comes down to messaging. It comes down to a little bit of mindset. And honestly, the first person you need to sell is yourself. If you are like kind of like wishy-washy, like 
yeah, maybe I'm not the best advisor for you. Or maybe, you know, you could technically book it online. That's the worst sale ever because like, you're like, you're right. I could go book it online. Bye. Like, thanks for wasting my time. So you really need to be able to sell yourself. Like you need to have that elevator pitch ready so that you, you know what you do, you know who you serve, you know why you are the best person for them. And then you're able to like release the people who aren't a good fit so much easier, I think. It boils down to confidence. If you are not confident in what you offer and you don't offer a junior suite at Grand Hotel Tremezzo, okay, you offer a seamless and comfortable client experience on the road to making incredible memories. That's the offer you have. You should not be selling on amenities. You should not be selling on hotel perks or the hotel itself. In fact, yes, they can book online, but they cannot book a lot of the things we know about online. So when you're thinking, okay, well, they could book it online. You need to write a list before you ever get on the phone with anyone ever again. I don't care if you've been in the industry for 40 years, 20 years, two years, two months, write down a list of all the things that you offer to a client that adds to the value of their trip that has nothing to do with their hotel. And then read it over and over again. Heck, put it on a sticky note and put it on the top right hand of your computer if you need that for when you go into an intake call. Because a lot of people don't like sales, but they love talking about travel. They love offering a solution. Guess what you're selling? Just stop attaching the word sales to it and attach the word educate or advise to it. And that's exactly why Asta changed the name to advisor over agents because we're no longer just agents. You're not walking in. You're not looking at the brochure, putting your finger down and saying that one and someone's booking it because you hold the keys to the kingdom of that information. That's not the case anymore. They have the keys to the kingdom now. The internet exists. So previously, yes, they were an agent because that person couldn't find that information on their own. Now you're an advisor because you know more, you have more connections, and you can offer them the experience of not having to be intimidated to travel or having to Google a million things to find a very mediocre experience and reading reviews. You've got this like massive superpower, but you need to learn how to articulate that in a way that a, that is credible to a client so that they actually understand what your fee is for. When someone questions your fee, you go back to that list that you just made and you walk through those things. I honestly think that putting this in your initial response to an inquiry form, like, when working with us, you get this and bulleting it out primes them to understand the value of working with you. And it takes the onus off of you from having to say that on every single call because you've already created that credibility and met them where they're at. Like, I see you. I want to show you what I can do for you. And it has nothing to do with a money transaction. It has everything to do with how I want to care for you in this special experience, whether it's a celebration or just for the heck of it. I know I could talk about this subject all day between the psychology of it, the messaging, the actual interaction on the phone. I, I used to hate sales and I think it's so not fun. It's like a, like a cat and mouse game a little bit, but I think it's so interesting. It does require us to be true professionals now though. Like, I think that's where the big 
the great divide, if you will, when COVID happened, this very transformational thing in history that happened to all of us, it really weeded out a lot of travel advisors in the industry because they could no longer be agents. They had to be advisors. They had to help people get to the location they want to get to. And they had to understand the nuances of requirements. And you had to handhold and you had to empathize. Even though our hearts were breaking, we were grieving the loss of income and business. You had to really like step up and step into the the position of being an advisor and an unshakable professional, I guess, because we dealt with a lot of emotions. So I say that because that transition puts so much more weight on us with continued education. You can't get away with now like relying on Google and TripAdvisor. You really have to invest in FAMs or trainings or business development because everyone that's in the industry has leveled up, I would say, or they've shipped out. Like you like ship up or ship out is like the saying. And a lot of people shipped out. So the rest of us have to shape up. I think I butchered that saying again. We are so bad at it. Is it ship up and shape? Oh, oh yeah, you're right. It's shape up and ship out. <laughs> no, you nailed that. And then I'm like, no. Ship up and ship out. <laughs> ship up and ship out. Shimmer. <laughs> if anything, you can trust that we will always butcher a cliche say every episode. Yeah. <laughs> If you got anything from this episode, we hope that it helps you step back from your routine, remember that you are a true service provider, that it reiterates your value comes from continued education, and also serves as a guidepost in creating a sales cadence that works for your ideal audience. In addition, if this episode wasn't enough content for you, have no fear because we've got some incredible things brewing in the realm of elevating your business when it comes to sales slash education. You are going to want to keep an eye out for it. Thank you for joining another episode of Teak Talks. If you're loving the content, we'd love and appreciate your support and feedback. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of Teak Talk. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.